Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, and port expenses, additional restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. Look through your children's eyes, and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov. Slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. Greetings and welcome inside Special Teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon, our weekly podcast that spotlights a big team single season in sports history. Sometimes it's NFL, sometimes it's NBA, Major League Baseball. This week, we are looking back at the 2009-2010 Los Angeles Lakers. 
In the wake of the tragic and sudden death of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others in a helicopter accident, we wanted to spend some time looking back at the last championship won by Kobe Bryant and the Lakers because this 2009-2010 season was incredible. It was incredible for Kobe. It was incredible for the Lakers. They beat the Celtics to win it all getting revenge from losing two years before. It was their second straight NBA title. It was a magical time, especially for you and I living in Los Angeles. The Lakers beating the Celtics was, it was sports nirvana. I mean, it's the Dodgers beating the Yankees in the World Series. It was as good as it got for LA and the Lakers. Of all the championships they had, the first one they win, yes, that's special with Shaq and Kobe. But this one, this was beating the Celtics. This was really, really special. Well, this is number 16. This is the rivalry that we grew up with, right? The Magic versus Bird and all those great teams and Hall of Famers. All the video games you played based on them. And the highlight reel was always one or the other was in a title contention, right? The the Lakers for all those years seemed like every other. They were, they were battling for a title before the six-year drought of playoff problems and, mm-hmm. and everything that we'd seen. But you look at Kobe Bryant and and what he means to the city and obviously exemplified in the tragic passing and all the heartfelt sentiments and gatherings, the, the city just got overrun. Everywhere you turned, there was a Laker logo in your face. Uh, you speak of the city being overrun. Do I have a story about you the night the Lakers won the title? Uh, about me? But no, no, no. Yeah, yes, it's about you. You, That's what you just said, man. Yeah, I have a story for you. I was, for, I was a little nervous for the listeners. Like, what, later, what do you know have, about? I my have life. a story for you. I'm talking to you. I'm, I'm here with you. I'm talking to you. Just the way you phrased it, what? like you knew what I was doing that night. <laughs> it's the 50th season in Los Angeles for the Lakers. They're coming off the NBA title after beating the Orlando Magic, and for Kobe Bryant, it was the cementing of his legacy. Because for Kobe, it was. Him and Shaq fighting for control of the Lakers. They win three championships. Shaq and Kobe couldn't get along. Shaq wasn't going to get the maximum contract he wanted from Dr. Jerry Buss. He said, trade me. They trade him away to Miami. The Lakers kind of stumble around for a couple of years. Then they make the big trade for Pau Gasol, and that's the trade that remade Los Angeles. The Lakers go, they go to the finals and lose to the Celtics. They beat the Magic. And that was the the coronation of Kobe Bryant, who then changed the image that he had, not quite overnight, but in a very short period of time. Because in early in his career, he was the petulant, immature kid. And then Eagle Colorado happened, and no one really knew what to make of Kobe after the sexual assault allegations. And then after that case was settled... He's moved on. This is six years later, and the NBA sort of came around to Kobe Bryant, and Kobe became much more beloved. Why? It wasn't so much that Kobe changed on the court, because he was still a guy that was going to make his teammates cry in practice, the famous story of making Sasha Vujicic cry in practice for being hard on his teammates. He was still the same guy, but when Kobe came up, it was Kobe Bryant as a rookie first couple of years in the NBA. You're talking about some of the most loved players of all time with the best images you could possibly have. Michael Jordan, Karl Malone, Shaquille O'Neal, Clyde Drexler. You know, Charles Barkley was, oh my God, every time the guy opens his mouth, it's awesome. He's so exciting. He says so many great things. So it's hard for Kobe who looks like, oh, here's a young kid coming in. He wants to be a star right away. But then all those guys go. All those guys retire. Gary Payton, they all retire. And then who is the NBA left with? It's Kobe. It's LeBron James who hadn't won and is very polarizing and Tim Duncan who is really boring. 
So here's Kobe, who is as exciting as it is, still hitting game-winning shots, reinventing himself as the Mamba, and suddenly it's, okay, you know what? Kobe's basketball faults we can forgive. Now, the Eagle Colorado stuff is separate, but the basketball faults, well, maybe wasn't so bad. Maybe we can now see him as a latter-day Jordan where he always wanted to get more out of his teammates, and Kobe became someone who was only about winning. You know, you can get lip service for that earlier in your career, but he was all about winning, and in the league when a lot of stars like the lifestyle, because NBA stars, like I like getting paid a lot of money. I like playing basketball every night. And if the team is good, we're in the playoffs and winning. Hey, that's great. We can win a title. But it's not something that drives every player to say, I want to win and win as much as possible. Kobe was not a guy for load maintenance. Kobe was, can you imagine Kobe playing now? Load maintenance? No, I'm playing. I'm going to play. I'm going to score 50. He was about winning. And when you are about winning, you are going to appeal to all of the fans because we don't care as much about load maintenance or, hey, we have to tank this year to get better. No, we want our teams to win. And Kobe, no matter what he did, he was about that, hitting free throws with a torn Achilles. And that's what brought fans back to Kobe Bryant. Well, and there were so many stories that came through, right? He became old school without changing, like just by default as the world changed around him. And we, we heard all these stories being told by the legends of the game, the folks around the Lakers, guys like James Worthy saying, hey, you know what? Before you're 17, as his body was starting to, to break down a bit, hey, teach me, can you teach me how to work in the post better? Can you teach me how to Dougie? Everybody loved me. I'm sorry. Might have done that too. Might have needed to learn how to dance. I mean, better for footwork, right? But just the idea of, all right, I, there's always something from somebody's game I can borrow and make mm -hmm. my own and yeah. get back in the gym and work it out. Uh, you know, the the final year, I was frustrated. I had part of a season ticket package. You and I have talked about this on our show at Fox Sports Radio. You got to see Lou Williams a lot. That became my guy. Yeah. Became my yeah. guy. But it, at the time, you're frustrated because I'm mm -hmm. trying to take my daughters and you're trying to teach them about work ethic. You're trying to teach them about, you know, what it takes. And Kobe was the embodiment of that. But you knew his body was breaking. Mm -hmm. So in jest, I always laughed. Hey, I started to love Lou Williams. But you recognize, dude just couldn't go. Yeah, right. Like yeah, he, he, he would dunk. dunk. It was rare. You yeah, know? like and it wouldn't be a power dunk. It'd be one of those. All right, I got up enough. <laughs> and over, I right, get back on D and, and move on. So Kobe, who it was hard for the Lakers to get free agents to come play for for them. What did they want to come play with Kobe? His very strong personality. It was very difficult. Also, he was at odds with the Lakers because they wouldn't go out and spend money on free agents. That year, they spent the most money of any team on player salaries, over $112 million. They go out and they get Ron Artest to sign. And Ron Artest, before he became Meta World Peace, picked his spots and he became so huge. We're going to get to him later on in the podcast. But just a real quick story on Ron Artest who came in. Look, he had the reputation. He was he was out there. You know mm -hmm. the, the the malice in the palace, the brawl. What was Ron Artest going to be? Now he's in Los Angeles. My goodness, what are you going to get from him? But the day he signed, he came to do all kinds of interviews. Right. Mm -hmm. So he comes to do interviews. He's doing interviews on all kinds of shows. And this is back when I was doing all night on ESPN Radio. And so. Where our radio station was located was at Staples Center, right next to where ESPN did, does the late sports center from. Mm -hmm. So my producer, because I'm in L.A., my producer's in, in Connecticut, he says, Jason, go downstairs. Ron Artest is going to meet you downstairs. Go get him, bring him up. He's gonna, you're going to get to interview him for the show. I'm like, 
awesome. Like, I shouldn't have to go down and get Ron Artest, but I'm by myself. Where's somebody again, else to right? go do this? So, I'm talent. So I walk over to the TV. So I walk over the TV building, right? Where, where's the production assistant to go do this? So I walk over, I walk in, and I'm going to meet Ron Artest here. So I walk and I tell the security guards, hey, I'm here to meet Ron Artest. I'm Jason Smith from uh, ESPN Radio, and I got Ron Artest coming. And they go, oh, okay. So they call somebody. I'm figuring they're going to bring Ron Artest out. And suddenly this guy comes out. I have no idea who he is. He says his name was Steve. And he's like the guy in charge Steve. of the building security. He goes, I'm sorry, sir. What are you here for? I said, I'm here for Ron Artest. I'm with ESPN. I'm supposed to meet him here to do an interview. Do you have any identification? I go, yeah, I have my ID. So I show him my ID. He goes, this is an ABC identification. This is not an ESPN identification. I go, yeah, I work in the building here. I work for 710. We're in the ABC building. I don't work in this building. I work in the right, right here. And I point because it's right across the street. Mm -hmm. He goes, yeah, no, you can't come in here without this ID. I go, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm supposed to be here. You can ask anybody up there uh, producing who's there. He goes, well, who's there? Who can I call? And I say the name of the executive producer up there. He goes, nope. She's not here tonight. And I go, obviously, I know who she is. If you could just call upstairs and tell them I'm here, they will bring him down. They know I'm coming. And the guy wouldn't do it. Wow. And I was so mad. Did you get him fired? Uh, well, you know what? I didn't get him fired, but he got in a lot of trouble the next day because I went back and I called uh, my manager, Scott Shapiro, who's now our manager here yeah. at Fox Sports Radio. And I told him what happened and he got right on it and he apologized and he felt bad about it, supposedly. And then he wound up quitting slash getting fired like a few weeks later. Yeah, the writing was on the wall. I was, I was so That's mad. a guy with a little bit of power who I decided out, he yeah. was, uh, you know, a ruler. Like I was a guy off the street. You know, I'm here. I'm here. Bring him to call upstairs. Call upstairs to Sports Center. Call whoever. So did the badge have a picture of you with I hair said, or something? I said, call Stu too? Mitchell. He's producing. I gave him all the names. Nope, not here tonight. Nope, she's not here. I'm alone. Okay, you're just on a power trip, man. You are just on a complete That's power it. trip. Sometimes you, you you run into those obstacles, man. Lamar Odom also left. He didn't blow me off for an interview or have that Yeah, happen. but did you ever find Metal World Peace? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we've had him on the show at Fox No, 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 but I, meant, but I meant oh, that, that night. night. No, he went home. He left. He thought he was doing a radio just, interview, uh, and then he just left. Bad. He was Yeah, like, I mean, oh, we God. had him in, and yeah. we had a great conversation. He was writing it. When we had Metal World Peace in a year ago, he was writing an erotic novel, right? Erotic science fiction. Erotic science fiction yeah. he was writing, yes. He gave us a little bit of a sketch off uh -huh. air. Yeah. And we looked at each other and said, that's a little sketch. But mm -hmm. he was very excited about creative well, yeah. guy. I'm I mean, excited. we had fun. Uh, so that was Ron Artest who comes in. And Lamar Odom almost left. Pat Riley brought him in. They want him to go sign with the Miami Heat. He almost did. But in the very end, cooler heads prevailed. He returned to the Lakers for a $33 million contract. So now... They go out and they get Ron Artest in the offseason. Lamar Odom is back, and the Lakers are loaded up going for their second straight NBA title. Now, since it's the 2009-2010 Los Angeles Lakers, let's look back a little bit at what happened in the magical year of 2010 as the Lakers got set for back-to-back -back championships. 2010. It was the year in which Reggie Bush announced he would forfeit the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Gonna give it back. So much lost. It's so dumb. My right, parents got a house. Your Heisman. It's just, it's a trophy that would be in the house. Yeah, it's fine. Take it. If only there were um, fewer zeros associated with the house. They would have just, they wouldn't have cared. Do you think he gave back the real trophy or do you think that he had a, a, a had a double made and he switched it? I think it was a chocolate replica. <laughs> 
chocolate. What are you doing? I'm eating Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. Start gnawing at it. They said it was chocolate. Hey, why is that guinea pig eating that trophy? I don't understand. Uh, Brett Favre's streak of 297 straight games started ended in Minnesota the week after the Metrodome collapsed. They had to move and play in Ford Field. And Brett Favre did not start that game, so his consecutive game streak was over. I remember the Metrodome collapsing. That video was so odd. You all I was, sudden, I was all here. You, just see the, you see the snow and everything comes yeah, down. I was helping what here happened? at Fox Sports Radio. And it's like, wait a minute. What the? <laughs> UConn women had their 90-game win streak end after losing to Stanford. And I got to be honest, if you were on that team, the people who came before you are never going to let you forget that. You lo- you broke the 90-game win streak. You don't get to go to any of the banquets. <laughs> you get nothing. Yeah, but Gino Oriema said I could go. No, sorry, you can't no, make it. No. Can't make it, no. You're out of the club. <laughs> so that's where things stood for the Los Angeles Lakers, who, look, this is a team that was returning a roster mainly of players who were absolute stars. Kobe Bryant was the captain. Derek Fisher was, was still here, getting a little bit long in the tooth, but it was Lamar Odom. It was... Pal Gasol, it was the Lakers front court throwing Andrew Bynum. He was fantastic. They also brought in Shannon Brown, who played a big role uh, playing guard for them a little bit. Remember, with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pot? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. 
In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Adam Morrison was on this team, but... The Lakers front court and Kobe Bryant dominated so many games. I mean, look, there's a reason they're the defending champs and, and they brought back all of their strengths as this season went on. It was the front court that really started to get things done. And it was okay that Lamar Odom was an every other game guy because you had players who could fill in. And certainly Ron Artest was one of those players where, hey, if you're an every other game guy, Lamar Odom, I could be an every other game guy. And together, every night we're great. It worked out pretty well in that regard. You forgot one huge loss as Kurt Rambis took his goggles to Minnesota. He did. He did. Well, Kurt he kept Rambis, coming back. Kurt, <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Rambis had his chance to coach the team, and then he came back under Phil Jackson, and Phil Jackson won, and then things worked out all right. Back and forth, exactly. So coming up next, it was the regular season for the 2009-2010 Los Angeles Lakers as we celebrate Kobe Bryant's final championship with the Lakers. All the drama of the NBA Finals still to come here. Special teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. If I could be you. And you could be me for just one hour. If you could find a way to get inside each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. First in the pages of the magazine, then on SI.com, and now that tradition continues on a new podcast. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. We'll ask the questions that we're all wondering and push for the answers we all want. Everything from investigating the Super Bowl's impact on LA to examining why booing is as big a part of the fan experience as cheering. Sports Illustrated Weekly is here to bring you the entertaining tales you can't get anywhere else. The kinds of stories that make you smile and laugh, clap and cry, marvel, think, and fall in love with sports all over again. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Special teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. Our podcast this week looking back at the final championship of the career of Kobe Bryant as the Lakers win the NBA title in 2010, defeating the Celtics in seven games. And one of the things the Lakers and Kobe dealt with this season were a lot of injuries. You know, right off the bat of this season, Pau Gasol gets hurt. Lamar Odom has to come into the starting lineup. Gasol comes back and the Lakers go on a big run. We'll have more on Gasol in a second. But throughout the second half of the season, because the Lakers got out to a, a big start the first few months, they had to deal with injuries to Kobe Bryant and Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum and Bynum even throughout the playoffs. Sasha Vujicic, Bill Walton. They had to deal with that the second half and they weren't a great team. They still ended up with the top seed overall in the playoffs in the Western Conference, but this wasn't easy by any means. I mean, they had to have they had to patchwork their team together all year. No, and that's that's what molds you into a champion eventually, because you're gonna have to steal minutes. You and I talk about it all the time when you look at NBA titles and the number of games and minutes that have to be played, that you've got to find those one game, one or two games in each series where that third score, fourth score, whoever ever it is, comes off the bench, gives you some decent minutes. We talk about it in college buckets with the NCAA tournament. Look, you got to win six times. Not often do you have one or two superstars carrying you through. And for this Lakers team, between the largesse of the coaching staff and their histories and, and pageantry of what they'd had, they knew what to do, right? Because they'd been through some of the, the, the grinds before. Very a long-tenured trainer, all of those trying to figure out how to cobble together a team. And when you got a guy like Kobe, like you said, a guy that wouldn't sit down, even with an injury. I mean, how many guys outside of him are, what are they missing? Three weeks? A month? Taking a nice ski vacation? No, he plays every down. Kobe actually did get hurt this year. Now, first, he fractured his right index finger in December and didn't miss a game. First couple of months, he hit three mm -hmm. buzzer beaters uh, that won games for the Lakers. Finally, he does succumb to an injury and sat out a game on February 6th for the first time since 2007. All right. In the, in the days of load maintenance, and that's one thing that, you know, Kobe Bryant playing, you know, if he was playing now, when load maintenance has never been any more important than it is now with Kawhi Leonard sitting out every other game and LeBron and business decisions, Kobe wasn't a load maintenance guy. If he could play, he was going to play, and he played until physically he couldn't play anymore. I mean, would there be nights the Lakers say, hey, take tonight off? All right, but they'd be once in a while, once in a great while. Well, I mean, we saw that in his final year. Like yeah. that's the only time you really when saw physically, it. right? But that but was because physically of he yeah. was done. But in his prime, there's no way he'd be sitting out games. Yeah. He might sit out. You know what, Kobe? You've played in the first 25 games. We have three games and five nights. We're going to sit you out the second, the back to back here, and then you're not going to sit for the 25 games. I mean, that's something I could see him doing. But the blatant, you know, hey, we're sitting out one game every couple of weeks, yeah. like Hypazambia. Now he would never do it. No, there would have to be 
some major considerations to allow for that, right? I mean, in terms of looking at how a roster is constructed, maybe in the gravest of circumstances, but just not the way he was dialed in. Now, while the bulk of this podcast, we're going to talk about Kobe Bryant. Like I said, it was his last championship and, you know, it's his second straight NBA finals MVP. With time to look back at the greatness of the Lakers and this second coming of the Lakers, which was built around Kobe, whereas the first time when they won three championships in a row was built around Shaq and Kobe, is that the acquisition of Pau Gasol immediately turned the Lakers into a championship caliber team. Immediately after getting Pau Gasol in a trade, they went on a big run and it was a different team. The contributions of Gasol and Lamar Odom are not given enough credit because even though Lamar Odom was an every-other-game guy for most of his career, and the talent level he had, he was always one of the top three most talented players in the NBA because of what he could do, his length. But every other game, he was he you know he was an every-other-game guy. But his every-other-game was fantastic. It would be nights with 14 assists for Lamar Odom. Here's a night with 35 points. Here's a night where Lamar had 10 points and 21 rebounds. His every-other-game was amazing, and when you can build the depth in the front court the Lakers had, you can afford to have Lamar Odom play good every other game, especially this year because you had Ron Artest who would be able to take up the slack. So this Lakers team, this front court was so deep and it's not like you had to get it from one guy every night. You had the consistency of Kobe, the consistency of Pau Gasol, Bynum when he was in the lineup, you know, Artest every other night, Odom every other night. You had that and it worked. Well, it's funny because you mentioned those two guys in terms of Odom and... Ron Artest slash Meta World Peace slash Panda's your friend, all whatever you want to go by. A guy who, you know, as the tributes flowed out for Kobe Bryant was was prominent and just saying, hey, raise a glass and, and celebrate the greatness. But Andrew Bynum's a guy that I think his career, because of what it became, right? Very short-lived in terms of success and prominence, people forget him. Also, as to exactly how important that was, because that was that was a career year. I mean, 15 and 8. Odom was at 10.8, 9.8, giving you three assists a game. Good balance. And one of those guys watching games as we do and doing our show on Fox Sports Radio, it drove you nuts. And I think if he were, and he's been very honest in interviews that he's done, but there, there was just wasted time. An awful mm-hmm. lot of wasted time and opportunity along the way. But here... You got five guys that finish in double digits, averaging, you know, at least 10.8 points per game led by Bryant. So you always had someone to step up and there were enough veteran voices in the room to make sure that you never got into a lull. So for the Lakers, the big highlight for Kobe this year was in Memphis he passed Jerry West to become the Lakers' all-time leading scorer. A very big moment for him is now he's starting to hit the big milestone part of his career with the Los Angeles Lakers. They finished with a 57-25 and record. They are first in the Pacific. Again, they kind of meander through the stretch run, but they just started out so hot, and they won so many games that they kind of coasted in. They yeah, go I mean, they the- lose six of the, their final nine, right? So yeah. it at least raises an eyebrow of, did they gas? Right? Are they done? They go into the playoffs, and their first round is against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this is Oklahoma who is becoming, hey, we're going to hit our peak very soon with KD and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. But here, they beat them in the first round. Oklahoma City's athleticism kept them in it. 
But the big game, Pal Gasol hits a layup with one second left to win game six and the series. This wasn't a Kobe series. This was a Gasol Odom Bynum series because what the Lakers front court was able to do, what these guys were able to do in beating Oklahoma City, it was their series. Like Kobe still had a good series, but this wasn't one where, boy, Kobe had five games of 30 or more points. It was those three guys getting it done, and they move on to the second round. Needed to be well-rounded. I mean, and that, again, goes back to the, the veterans stepping up because you know the defense and as much as we much malign defense of some of those young guys from Oklahoma city, let's face it. Those are things that'll they'll carry for their career. I mean, still collapsing on Kobe Bryant finished with 32 in that clincher, but you needed others to step in second round. They get the Utah jazz and the Lakers front court was dominant, but as Utah adjusted LA started hitting threes. And it was a very quick series, and this was a Kobe series. 30 points at least in all four games, and it was easy dispatching of the Jazz, moving on to the Western Conference Finals where they would meet the Phoenix Suns. Kobe scores 40 in Game 1. He has 13 assists in Game 2. And this series is known for a very big play not involving Kobe Bryant. It was a Kobe air ball in game five. Ron Artest rebounds it, puts in the game winner, and Artest had a great series here. Just for a second on Ron Artest is that this air ball was, oh, my God, the Lakers could be giving away this series. But Ron Artest gets the rebound, hits a shot, and it's arguably his first or second best Laker moment. He had a big moment in the NBA finals. We're going to get to in a few minutes, but up until this point, this was his signature moment. Here's Ron Artest hitting a shot where, Hey, Kobe airballed it. And now the Lakers look like they're going to move on because of him. Well, that's for step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, daily show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, 
and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18 and one with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top it Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On our test, right place, right time. And he always held your breath when he did shoot. Yes. It was, no, 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 no. Oh, good shot. Good shot. Good shot. Like, good, even good. if he was good feeling shot, it shot. early yeah. in a game, it would be like, all right, just stop because it's yeah. going to, the, the buckets are going to run out. Yeah. Start, start working the ball. Uh-huh. And this was an opportunity of, you know, Johnny on the spot. Lakers with a three games to two lead. They win game six. Kobe Bryant leads the way 37 points. Ron Artest had 25. So the Lakers get to the NBA finals. We're awaiting them. A rematch with the Boston Celtics, who had knocked them out and won the title two years before Kevin Garnett's big, anything is possible, or was I supposed to say, nothing is impossible? What was the slogan I was supposed to say on national television to make money? I forget what it is. (laughs) What did we trademark? (laughs) This was such a big moment for Kobe in his NBA career because as much as he had won, He won three championships with Shaq as a 1A, and now he had won one as a 1, beating the Magic. Losing to the Celtics. If he lost to the Celtics again, that would really damage his legacy because, hey, hey, Kobe was great, but you know what? Magic got the better of the Celtics. Kareem got the better of the Celtics. Worthy got the better. Celtics don't get the better of us. And so even though Kobe, look, right now, you could look back at him as the greatest Laker. I mean, it's really he and Magic Johnson. When and even want, Magic called him right, the greatest Laker. And how much of that the is the Laker. moment yeah. and the, the largesse of the tragedy? But also, I, I would make that argument. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. Look, and Magic always won with Kareem. You know, and worthy, and worthy, Michael Cooper, and yeah. like, go on down the list of Hall of Famers. Not to denigrate the career of Magic Johnson, which was yeah. great. Oh, but sure. When we play that game of who did you play with to make you great? Kobe, it's always, uh, I, had had Kareem. I had Pau Gasol. Whoa, okay. All right. <laughs> right okay. But it's always, he had Shaq. It's like, well, I mean, go look at the laundry list of guys. Who's your next guy? I had Worthy. I had Ron Artest. Oh, well, all right, all right, all right. I mean, really, because this is a moment where I mean, you think of him now as the greatest Laker. Had he lost this second series to the Celtics, he's not the greatest Laker. It's, boy, oh, I love Kobe. 
man, we lost to the Celtics twice. I mean, that's what it would be. Man, we lost to the Celtics twice. Well, and at the time, and it still has its resonance, right? Because they don't get to get together very often the way the schedules are worked. Eventually, the NBA will probably make some change to that and start mm-hmm. mixing it up more like Major League Baseball has. Uh, but you, you look at the Lakers and Celtics. I mean, that's our childhood, mm-hmm. right? All those great teams and all of those juggernauts and, and Hall of Famers. And this was the last act of that, at least as you and I sit together talking on this podcast. So the Lakers are set to meet the Celtics in the finals. It's seven games of blood on the floor and hair on the wall. Yes. Heroics from Kobe. Heroics from surprising places as we continue here. Special teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they go. Almost on time this morning. Mom is coming out the front door strong with a double-arm kid carry. Looks like Dad has the bags. Daughter is bringing up the rear. Oh, but the diaper bag wasn't closed. Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but Mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter, who looks to be about 9 or 10, has secured herself in the booster seat. Dad zips the bag closed, and they're off. Ah, but looks like Mom doesn't realize her coffee cup is still on the roof of the car. And there it goes. Oh, that's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, We reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide to this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. So here we are, Lakers, Celtics, second final in three years. Kobe Bryant's career-defining legacy with the Lakers is up in this series. We all look forward to it. Again, it was all video of the series two years ago, but then they show, you know, you got Magic and you have Larry and all the great video from the 80s and millennials are going, who are these guys? I don't know who any of these (laughs) players are. It begins in game one, goes to the Lakers. Kobe scores 30 points and Boston never threatens. They looked horrendous in game one and it was Boy, the Lakers just that much better. Are they just going to boat race the Celtics all the way through? I mean, they never threaten in game one. And you're thinking, oh, boy, this is just going to be a Laker route. 
Game two is a different story. Boston is more aggressive. Ray Allen hits eight three-pointers. Rajon Rondo with a triple-double. He scored 10 points in the fourth quarter as the Celtics win game two. I mean, Rajon Rondo, not just a triple-double, but back when he could score 10 points in a quarter. I right. mean, you're like, come on, man. That's, Rajon Rondo, well, that's could, the way that's back one that he could never score. You also remember, this is a decade ago. Yeah, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's the other part of but it. But even when he was at his best, he never was a big scorer. No, Here he is, no. 10 points in the fourth quarter. Well, everybody's got one or two barrages in them uh, on the NBA level, right? We see it every night as we broadcast on Fox Sports Radio. It's like, that guy did what? 37, including how many in the fourth? Like, his career high was 12. You know, those kind of things. And for Rondo, he did come up big in big games. After the 103-94 win, the series shifts back to Boston for three games, and the Lakers go out, and they take game three, 91-84. Derek Fisher played many more minutes than expected. Pau Gasol was not playing well. Fisher hits four straight shots. He scores 11 points in the fourth quarter. Kobe scores once in the fourth quarter, but it's enough. He had 29 total for the game. Awful shooting night. And it was a bad shooting night for him. And it was one one of those games. And look, we're fond of saying this. Anytime you see a team winning a championship, there's always one or two games where the best player doesn't play at his best and the supporting cast carries him. And it's unexpected sources. No one expected Derek Fisher to be a guy to go for 16 points in this game. He and Kobe just 41 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it, no one expected that, but it's the unexpected contribution. Derek Fisher won this game for the Lakers. They take a two games to one lead. Yeah. Just a, a tremendous game. Six of 12 from the field for his 16 points. You look at Gasol and, and Bynum. While they weren't huge offensively, they only combined for 22 points. They they tallied 20 rebounds, so helping push things, get those extra opportunities. Game four, the Boston Celtics come back, and they even the series of two games apiece. The Boston bench is fantastic. Andrew Bynum misses the second half with a knee injury, so now we have a brand-new series headed to game five, and this injury would kind of dog Bynum the rest of the series. He'd be in and out of the lineup. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the 18 points off the bench in 23 minutes from Glenn Big Baby Uh, Davis. I mean, you know, that's when I think back to those Celtics teams that one that beat the Lakers and and the one that sent them to seven games is I don't think of Pierce and Garnett and Ray Allen. I think of James Posey raining down threes, you know, two years before to win this. And I think of players like Glenn Davis and and Leon Leon Poe having big games, you know, for the Celtics. It was their supporting cast that really kept them afloat in a lot of games. Won them a championship and nearly won them a second one. But look at this game four, right? Allen with 12, Pierce leads them with 19, but then you have Davis with 18 off the bench. And Nate Robinson, one of the great stories Mm -hmm. of the last decade plus in the NBA. But, you know, he's got 12 points on four of eight shooting, two of four from three-point range, and a plus eight. So valuable minutes off the bench as this series got extended. Game five goes to the Celtics as well, 92-86. Kobe scores 38, but he was the only Laker with a big game. Boston's big three was Garnett Pierce and Rajon Rondo. 18, 8, and 5 rebounds. Another big game from Rondo. And now the Celtics are one game away from the NBA title. But in the end, the Lakers did what they had to do. They went into Boston. They won one game. And that was going to send it back to L.A. And the Lakers now have two chances. They got to win both games to win the NBA title. Yeah, this game, just a game of starters. The benches combined to score 27 points. 14-13, Lakers edge. 
Otherwise, you're starting five. Might as well have just sent everybody else home uh, and rolled it out. Uh, we can go back and watch some of the tapes of this. And again, it's Rondo 18 and 8 showing again on a big stage because Ray Allen wasn't shooting particularly well uh, and, and he wasn't taking a ton of shots. So someone else needed to step up. You know, this series now, when it gets back to L.A., you could tell that both teams started to run out of gas because baskets were hard to come by, and these were two great offensive teams. I mean, you look at the final scores in this series, you had the Lakers break 100 points in game one, the Celtics break 100 points in game two, and that's it. Right. You know, that was it. You, you, the end of the series, and even Kobe Bryant said following game seven, I had nothing left. Because he had he didn't have a great shooting night in Game Seven, and I remember when they asked him after the game, Kobe, you seem to struggle tonight. He said, "I had nothing left. I you I was going on guts and stamina, and and I really didn't have anything left." And you go to Game Six, and the Celtics clearly are deflated even further because this was Kendrick Perkins getting hurt early, suffering a torn PCL and MCL in the first quarter, left a huge hole on defense, a huge hole on the boards, and the Lakers just blow the doors off of the Celtics. 89-67, their bench outscores the Celtics 24-0. All right, Celtics (laughs) did not get a point off the bench tonight. Again, Bynum left with knees, swelling. I mean, Boston's forever going to say if Perkins didn't get hurt, we would have won the NBA title. Doc Rivers has even said that many times the past couple years. Well, you know, we were undefeated with Perkins. Okay, well, you still lost. That's great. You're not getting a a title for that. Look, here's the thing. Perk's more than capable of speaking up for himself and telling you how great he he was. Yes, he is. And I appreciate (laughs) the hell out of him. Every time he opens his mouth, I lean forward in my chair because I don't know where the story's going to go. And yeah, maybe that's true. It doesn't matter. We say that all the time. You can't take away the title and just caveat it out of this guy got hurt. Look, that and the guy Lakers got hurt. Were, look, Bynum missed the equivalent of a game and a half. Right. You know, he got, look, you, you miss Kendrick Perkins. They're missing Andrew Bynum. And he he missed a lot of time. Too. Look, like I said, this was a war of attrition these last couple of games of this series. You're talking about final scores of 89-67 in game six and 83-79 in game seven. This is not going to set the world on fire. Yeah, but I mean, just look how little contribution you're and, and what you're looking for from your bench. You're trying to eat some minutes, but they're not shooting the ball. It's just who's got a warm body that can steal three or four minutes to get your star some Gatorade, some whatever nutrients you need back in and get and roll them back out there. So, you know, leaving everything on the court for those 48, there's nothing else, but nothing left by the time you get to the end of the series. So the Lakers head to game seven, tied with the Celtics, and it looked like the Celtics were going to run them out of the gym. In the second half, they had a 49-36 lead, and it was, wow, the Celtics, Perkins is out, they're reeling, they're going to find a way to beat the Lakers at Staples Center and win game seven. Lakers call a 20-second timeout. That was it. 20-second timeout. Different team. When they got back on the floor, they started cutting into the lead. Derek Fisher hit some threes. Pau Gasol made some clutch plays. They come all the way back. They take the lead deep into the fourth quarter. And when it looks like the Lakers were at the point where they could salt the game away, Boston keeps chipping away. Now the Lakers lead, it's six, it's down to three, it's seven, it's down to four, it's six, it's down to three. There came to a point at the end of this game where it looked like the Lakers were going to put the Celtics away, but the Celtics didn't go gentle into that good night. The Lakers would be up six, the Celtics would hit a three. They'd be up five, the Celtics would get a bucket. And it came to the point where the Lakers were protecting a three-point lead with not much time left and every point now it's this has got to be Kobe. This has got to be Kobe, got to be Kobe. And Ron Artest hits a three 
to give the Lakers a six-point lead when every single Laker fan is going, no, 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 no. Again, Ron Artest, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, what a great shot. And you and I have talked to him before, <laughs> and we've gone through these moments. And yeah. I, you, when he tells stories of these games, and I got the ball from Kobe and whatever else, his eyes get wide like saucers. They needed every bit of Ron Artest in this game. I mean, who knew? You need every bit of Ron Artest. Well, he finishes 20 I mean, with 20 <laughs> for that game. Right? It's it's just an insane box score when you go through and watching the sequences. The benches have really no impact from a scoring perspective. It's 9-6, Odom and Vujicic, total of 9 against 6 for Big Baby Davis. The bench for the Celtics, Davis plays about 21 minutes, and that's it. Tony Allen, five minutes, 20 seconds. Nate Robinson, three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And Scalabrini got in for 51 seconds. Yay. That's it. But that's it. That's all you got yep. from the bench. It's yep. basically, hey, guys, this is how far we got. This is game seven. You got it. Take care of it. Our test three comes with about a minute left to go. And, okay, that turned out to be the big backbreaker. But the Celtics still hit a shot, and they still cut the lead. And Kobe misses, but... Pau Gasol gets the rebound, gets the ball back to Kobe. The Celtics have no choice but to foul Kobe Bryant. Kobe hits both free throws after Gasol rebounds. Kobe's missed three, which is a really big deal because still, even Mm -hmm. with that three from Ron Artest, the Celtics still had a chance. Boston then gets another bucket, and it's like, oh, my God, is Boston ever going to go away? What's going to happen? And then Sasha Vujicic, who we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, very made a very quick reference to him. He was one player that Kobe Bryant made cry at practice because he was so tough on him, yeah. wanted him to toughen up. Vujicic hits two big free throws with 11 seconds left to give the Lakers a four-point lead. Rondo misses a three. Lakers get the rebound. They win 83-79, and the Lakers are NBA champions. They withstand all the way to the buzzer. This was one of those where you want to stand up and applaud both teams after because you could tell none of them had anything left, and it was just throwing. It's like the end of a it's Rocky a fight. fight. It's a fight we're going just, to the— We're yeah. throwing punches. It's like the second Rocky-Apollo fight where they're just circling each other and throwing, <laughs> but Rocky's bleeding from his eye, and Apollo, you can't even see his swollen eyes. Up, he's all yeah. swollen up. They're just throwing punches and then back and punches. That's what the end of this was like. 8379. You know what the poison pens would be yeah. out for a finals game that ends? 8379. Because if you told me that score in game seven, what's yeah. your first thought? Which which Pistons team? Yeah, yeah. Was that was that uh, oh that was when was the that first, won, right? first time or when was they that, were back? Was, was that, that Ben they, Wallace? Was that when they lost to the Spurs? It was 8379. Yeah. Um Kobe still wound up with a game high 23 and still had 10 in the fourth quarter. Proving that even when Kobe would have moments like this, like, you know, he misses the big three, but Pau Gasol gets the rebound. He still was great. I mean, this is a game where if you said, hey, Kobe had 23-10 in the fourth quarter, but because you expected him to make every big clutch shot, it would seem like uh, Kobe didn't have a great game. No, shooting, he didn't have a great game, but still, he had a high point total. And he scored 10 in the fourth quarter when, you know, you're not scoring a lot of points. They're 83 points won this game. That's a really big deal. 23 and 15 on the night. He was 11 of 15 from the foul line for the night. Six of 24. Pretty much anybody else, you'd take the ball from them after yeah. a while. But who else are you going to get you're it like, to? Kobe, eventually you're going to find a yeah. shot. No, <laughs> no. The, the legs were gone. Uh, afterwards, I'll always remember Ron Artest and his, and his press conference because this was when he brought his entire family 
to oh, the yeah. press conference, and it was everybody. He had his kids, his wife, and he's introducing everybody. And he goes, "Hi, all right, this is my wife, and this is this, and I'm Ron." And this, and he goes all the way through. And he has his whole family up there. Phil Jackson talked about the role that Ron Artest played in winning the game. He he called him like the most valuable player of the game, even though Kobe won his second straight mm-hmm. NBA Finals MVP. But this goes to show you that as great a player as Kobe was, look, you need help to win. And he got the help the first time around with Pau Gasol, and it wasn't a great Magic team that they beat in the finals. This was a really great Celtics team, and he had all the help he needed with Artest and Odom and Gasol. I mean, this was probably the best of all of those Laker teams, even though it was only together for a very short period of time, because eventually Lamar Odom, you get sick and tired of his act, and they move on, and Pau Gasol gets older, and Ron Artest you know, only has so much time before right. he turns into some, okay, he's not quite the player he used to be. But this moment in time, this was that best Laker team. Right, Derek Fisher was getting older, and you look at, just on down the line, right? Andrew Bynum had his flash. Jordan Farmar, guys that you had some quality minutes from through the regular season, they weren't long for being with the team. And just for the Ron Artest set, he, he averaged 11 points per game during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Clincher, he's the guy making the difference, scoring 20. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a strange game and an ebb and flow, but also a, a testament to the way those teams both were constructed. Yeah, Kobe was the only player to average more than 20 points a game in the series. He averaged 28 a game. High point, a high man for the Celtics in, in that series was Paul Pierce with 18. I mean, look, look at what the Lakers did. You had Kobe with 28. Then it was Pau Gasol, who was 18 and 11. Then you had Artest with 10. Andrew Bynum had seven. Derek Fisher was eight. Lamar Odom only averaged seven points a game in the series. You know, he he had a rougher NBA Finals mm-hmm. than anybody else did. But look, it's that was it across the board. This this was hey, we are we are throwing all kinds of haymakers at each other. And clearly, Kobe Bryant stood head and shoulders above everybody else because without Kobe's ability to put the ball in the basket when points were at a premium, this is the Celtics winning another title. Instead, it cements the legend. You put the five up, five greater than Shaquille's four. Mm-hmm. And, and he had another that decade that. of that. You know, <laughs> even you heard Shaq say that after uh, Kobe passed. And he was very emotional on TNT in the fo- in the nights following uh, the fatal uh, helicopter accident, where Shaq was saying, "You know, we're not going to be able to joke around at his Hall of Fame induction, where he would say five is greater than four, because Shaq would always say, I won the battle with Kobe because I won the first title.' But then Kobe could say, "Yeah, but I won two and I stayed, and so now my five is greater than your four. And you know, that's that's bit that's a big debate too, the Shaq Kobe debate that's always going to live. No, it's going to keep going. And look, on. that's part of the emotions that come out of Shaquille O'Neal too, of what his career became." Right, he got that title, and he's revered, and he's gone on to great success as a commentator. I don't know that there's anything more entertaining on television. You got Fox NFL Sunday, and you got Inside the NBA. Mm-hmm. Those are the two. That's it. Those are the two hallmarks to everything. But with Shaquille O'Neal, there's got to there's going to be regret. Whether he's he's really expressed it yet, I've heard it in bits and pieces. Right when you start talking about what his, the end of his career became, leaves Los Angeles, goes to Miami, great. But then you have stops in Cleveland Mm -hmm. and Boston and all these other things. You know, dancing with the Jabberwockies is is great. But you you talk about Kobe being able to finish 20 years in the Laker uniform versus moving and bouncing around and trying to find fits, fighting health issues, some of which was caused by not taking care of your body early for Shaquille O'Neal. So, I mean, there's beyond the personal rift, there also had to be some personal jealousy 
of how he was able to stay on a straight path instead of the hopscotch that Shaquille O'Neal played. And this was the title that cemented all of that. Well, and that's the thing for Kobe. And, and you know, let, let, let's end here with this with Kobe, because the one thing about him that endeared him to fans through everything throughout his life, and you've heard so many different tributes to Kobe over the course of the past uh, few days, and, and you're going to continue to hear over the coming weeks and months, is that, you know, Shaq was always about fun. He knew he needed to win, and he won. Did Shaq really try to get better every day? No. Because he would have developed more than one post movie, would have developed a way to dominate the games as he got older, would have taken care of his body a little bit more. Kobe always wanted to get better. He was always about winning. He was always about the edge over my opponent. In that way, he was the most like Michael Jordan that we had seen mm -hmm. because that's what he wanted. And that's what fans come to games for because while fans understand we have to tank to get better, they understand we have to trade this player because he makes too much money and we got to get under the salary cap, whatever sport we're talking about. The one thing that always brings you back is I want my team to win. And Kobe wanted to win body be damned. Everything else be damned. I want to win. That's why I'm shooting free throws with a torn Achilles. It's why I'm, I'm trying to score 60 and win my final game in the NBA. He was always about winning and there was nothing else about it. And in a league where a lot of players enjoy the lifestyle of the NBA and look, not that they don't want to win, but how many players are obsessed with winning like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James for a long time in his career, is making business decision after business decision. Kobe just wanted to go out and win. There are a few players like that, but no one like him. And while players enjoy the lifestyle, they enjoy being stars, they enjoy playing, they get to the playoffs, now we're trying to win. Kobe was obsessed with that every single day. Well, all the way through the 20 years, and even when the body was starting to betray him, it became, all right, how do I become a more effective player in my final years, right? More jump shots, the fadeaway, the footwork on the post. We talked a little bit earlier about the James Worthy conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, that he called him going, hey, help me work, work down on the yeah. block. I was like, what do you mean? You're you're going into year 17. <laughs> no, <laughs> what am I going to teach you? <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's like, you're Kobe Bryant. What do you, what do you yeah. want? But still trying to pick people's brains. And it's, it's as a fan uh, of sport, and that's what gets us all behind the microphone, keeps us paying for different packages, whether it's the ticket or whatever else, and going through, if you buy jerseys and everything else, is you're, you're a fan of the sport and you appreciate greatness. And even if you weren't a Laker fan, you appreciated Kobe Bryant, right? I grew up in Chicago, Bears fan, Bulls fan, the whole, everything but the Cubs. And mm -hmm. that was Southside. What do you want? Sure. Uh, but it was, you still appreciated the guys that gutted you. You hated to play Brett Favre, mm -hmm. but every time you just went, oh man. And you'd shake your head and you'd watch him do something crazy in the final minutes of a game to beat you. And it's like, all right, here we go again. Same thing later on with Aaron Rodgers. For Laker you know, detractors, they still had to just shake their head and go, yep, we got Kobe again, right? He had another one of those signature nights and made us all look silly and we couldn't defend him or we kept single guarding him when obviously we shouldn't have. Sam I, Mitchell. Hi, yeah. Sam Mitchell. How yeah, you doing? Hey, right. Sam. I, I led you to the water and, <laughs> and you drank. But just that idea of, and that was the appreciation of him. And I think you see that across all sports and we've seen that and that'll just continue to flow.
So that's our look back at the final NBA championship for Kobe Bryant here on Special Teams. You want more Kobe content, uh, check out Special Teams, our podcast. We look back at the first NBA title for Kobe Bryant and the Lakers as the Lakers beat the Indiana Pacers to win the NBA title. Uh, Check that out as well. For Mike, I'm Jason. You have an idea of who you want to see or hear us talk about on future episodes and podcasts of Special Teams. Twitter at HowAboutAFresca. Mike is at Swollen Dome. We'll talk to you next week. Before you go, rate and review the show, whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps, Apple, whatever it is. Give us a rate. Tell us you like it. We will love you forever and ever and ever. Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Three-bedroom Dutch Colonial, mile five. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. Oh, I love Redfin, but I need an agent to sell my house. Redfin has agents, and they're great. They sell twice as many homes, so they have the skills to help you sell for more than the home next door. Huh, and here I thought Redfin was just an app I was addicted to. We're so much more, but thank you. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Learn more at redfin.com. C-A-D-R-E-0-1-5-2-1-9-3-0. Mama, what does the chicken say? Uh, dog. Cat. Giraffe. Giraffe, really? Giraffe. Uh, giraffe. You're not going to get it all right. Just make sure you nail the big stuff, like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Get it right. Visit NHTSA.gov. Slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. 
His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to the Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.